This is Jack Dempsey. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this episode of the Virtual Dopeness Podcast. My name is PJ Alex, your friendly neighborhood podcast host. And today I want to try something a little different. I'm going to do one of my solo episodes, and I'm also going to be doing this on video. So we'll see how that turns out. I've been screwing with my video camera. I bought a camera a couple months ago, and I really wanted to see how it's finally going to turn out. I've been trying and trying and trying to get things right. Um... Lighting is a bitch. <laughs> I found that out the hard way. That's why, if you see me, I'm recording one on the road, uh, two um, with a lot of windows open. I'm in a hotel room, but you guys know if you listen to the podcast a lot that that's what I do. I travel for work. So this is a quick hitting episode. I wanted to get this episode in, get my feelings, and get it out. This is not about music. This is not about tech. Kind of about tech. <laughs> We're probably bleeding into some tech topics, but I'm definitely um, going to be hitting on media today. This is a media-heavy episode, and it's mainly because it's about one thing. It's about Euphoria. So, if you have not been watching Euphoria, it is a coming-of-age drama that has been on HBO. It has a short run for its first season, and it's been really good. It's been... Uh, it, it, the lead actress is Zendaya. Zendaya is from a lot of Disney fame as well as some movies and things and she's been kind of uh emerging <laughs> as a better as I would say and as every Disney star has to do they have to find their role that's going to break them out of what was the Disney mold and move them into their adult lives. So Lindsay Lohan did it and Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears, you name it. Christina Aguilera, not Britney, yeah, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. They all had to do it. Mark Wahlberg, I believe. I believe there's this crazy clip of <laughs> that I posted to Facebook that was uh, Justin Timberlake and maybe it was Mark Wahlberg, maybe it was somebody else who was singing a Jodeci song. Crazy on the Mickey Mouse Club. Anyway, so the, the it was created by Sam Levinson, but one of the producers is actually Drake. So if you've been listening to the podcast at all, you know I stand for a couple of things. Childish Gambino, nerdy movies, and the thing that I love and is my guilty pleasure. And I don't recommend myself as an expert on most things, but some of them I do. One of them, coming of age, TV dramas, dramedies, if it's in that range of high school or early college or high school into college coming up, it interests me. I don't know why it's a genre. It's a piece I've fallen in love with. Um, also, I want to go ahead and apologize for my look here. I'm coming off a day's work. So if anybody knows, this is my passion. So I still got to pay the bills. But anyway, so if you see a little stain on the shirt, something crazy. Give me a break here. (laughs) I'm just getting into YouTube. (laughs) So YouTube and podcasting is my my jam though. But anyhow, so it's starring Zendaya as Rue Bennett. And her name being Rue actually means something in a little while. Especially when you find out that Storm Reed is actually playing her sister. Storm Reed played in uh, Wrinkle in Time. And is named Rue in her her original breakout role, which was in Hunger Games. Uh, this is also starring Maude Apatow, which is the daughter 
of Judd Apatow. Um, Angus Cloud, who is a newcomer, who is actually one of my favorite characters, Fez on the show. Um, Eric Dane, Nakia King, who plays Zendaya's mother. Um, also, a couple other people who are playing. Uh, Lucas George actually plays a huge role. And I believe they've come together um, to, to make a really good cast. But to step back for a second. When I say coming-of-age dramas, I mean things that people have really grasped into. When I was growing up, the big one was Dawson's Creek. I didn't get into Dawson's Creek till college. Let me explain. I know it's not really <laughs> my demographic. I was actually probably a little too young to be watching Dawson's Creek, but as everything that's targeted at teens and kids in high school, the preteens are the ones that watch it. So 8th grade, 7th grade, on up. Um, I got into Dawson's Creek when I got into college and I went to college. I had an 8 a.m. class my first semester. I didn't, we didn't pick our schedules first semester. I had an 8 a.m. and a 12 o'clock Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I was watching, I would go to class, which half the time it was canceled because the professor even told him, I don't know why they gave me an 8 a.m. class. I got to drop my kids off. So half the time the TA was teaching us or the professor just wasn't there, and toward the end of the semester, he had me helping teach because it was programming class. It was entry-level, easy programming class that people struggled with, but whatever. <laughs> I digress. I had that class, and then I had my 12 o'clock, so I would go to class, eat breakfast, and then I'd have hours to kill. If I didn't have any project, it was first semester of freshman year. You don't have real work then. You have one hard paper. That's it. Come on now. Be serious. Everything else just should be a recap from high school. So, why is my phone tripping? So, I went to class, went to breakfast, came back. We didn't have cable. I went to HBCU. Leave me alone. We didn't have cable. They have cable now. I'm jealous. Didn't have cable. Jerry Springer got old fast. And the only thing else on was on TBS was Dawson's Creek. Two back-to-back episodes. Now, I had kind of shunned Dawson's Creek off. I kind of shunned Friends off. And that was because it was the life I lived. I went to a predominantly white high school. I felt like I don't need to be watching more white folk on TV. Which sounds racist, but no. It just I was sick of seeing that. And I wanted to, to experience my culture. Anyway. So, I went to watch it and said oh they had an episode that directly mimicked the movie the breakfast club one of my favorite movies i went ahead and watched it i was like oh this is fun this is interesting there's some cool storylines here if everybody has ever seen that episode dawson's creek it ends kind of dark um then i tuned into another episode a couple days later saw it again this is kind of good got into the storyline then i saw they had a black character Never knew they had a black guy on the show. So I said, huh, where did he go? So I proceeded to start at season one, which was on sale for like five bucks in a bin at Walmart and watch the first season. He was there the whole first season. Then he disappears for three seasons. (laughs) And by that time, I was already in it. So I did figure out where he went. He was interesting. He actually kind of saves the day. So I appreciate them on that. But then I also fell in love with the story. And it is very easy to fall in love with the story. A good story that's told well. So then, 
I moved on to another show. That show is a show that I've caped for a number of times here. It's a show that I recommend everybody watch at least the first two seasons, and that is the TV show Skins. The UK version, the American version, was trash juice. So Skins, very similar to, and I'm saying all this because we're going to get there. There's a reason I'm bringing all this into the fold. Not just to show that I know what the hell I'm talking about, but to show you that there's a reason. Skins, very dramatic, very harder chord themed, very strong, but still coming of age, kids in high school, and it follows a group of kids through their, basically their junior and senior year, their senior high school years. And then the cast changes every two years because those kids graduate. They go on to do other things. That is what intrigued me about their storytelling. Also, the way that they depicted the stories was each, it was a cohesive storyline, but each episode told that storyline either overlapping or pushing it forward from one person's perspective. It followed that person, showed you where they came from, showed you what their home life was like, showed you what their trials and tribulations were, and then would progress the storyline and however they tied into it. This was incredible, in, in, in my opinion. And Skins really is one of the best dramatic television series I've ever seen. People look at me crazy when I say that, especially be about the first two seasons. The first two seasons is the very last episode. The second to last and the very last episode, I cried like a little bitch. Not going to lie. <laughs> cried like a little baby. Mostly because it was a black character that I related to. She, and, and I'm a sucker for a love story. Thus, also see my love of Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. But I'm a sucker for a love story. That goes well. I don't like over romantic things, but I do like what I saw there. So, I said all all of that to say, Euphoria gives me very skins vibes. As good? No. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit older. Maybe it's because I'm not in the the headspace relating to that as much anymore. But I do terrifically enjoy this show. Now that being said. This is definitely not, definitely not for kids that are younger. The Zendaya fans who are Disney fans who are now just preteens and teens that are just coming in to middle school and high school, this is not for them. I don't know why it was semi-marketed to them, but it was it was marketed to them by accident. They love Zendaya. They have a character that they related to, identified, and loved in movies and television, and wanted to see more of her. This ain't it, bruh. I'm not going to lie to you. This is not the show that they need to be watching to see more Zendaya. And I say that because there are more dicks in the first three episodes than I've seen on cable television in a, or premium television in a long time. Shout out to Equality. Shout out to the, <laughs> to the people who decided that that needed to happen. But it, it, it's not it. Not just that, but it also deals with a lot of mature themes that... Parents, I know you ain't you ain't trying to have that conversation yet with some of these kids. Does that conversation need to eventually happen? Of course. Yes, it does. It needs to happen 110%, especially when you're dealing with drugs and alcohol, uh, sexual abuse, regular abuse, uh, domestic violence, and uh, transgender topics, LGBTQ 
pornography, all of it gets touched on in this show. And if you listen to that list I just rattled off, it's hard to believe these kids are high school kids sometimes. What may set me up for that is, one, I have nieces, and watching stuff like this scares the crap out of me. But two, I've also watched shows like Dawson's Creek and Skins that grazed on those topics, just kind of eh, touched them, but they not, didn't necessarily dive as deep. So, um, also, shout out to Dawson's Creek actually had, this is a little known fact, this is your fact for the day, Dawson's Creek actually had the first on-screen primetime television homosexual man-to-man kiss. Bet you didn't know that. <laughs> but with all that being said that they did a good job in this show I enjoyed everything I enjoyed everything there were things that I feel like they borrowed a lot from other TV shows and things like that especially if you're a fan of that coming of age drama um, specifically the specifically skins I will draw all the comparisons it's not as good, but still very, very good. It's updated. It's modern. Things that Skins didn't have the ability or, or, or edge to deal with or the freedom because Skins wasn't on a, on a network like HBO to, to be able to tap into. So the story itself is very... I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything. Promise you, promise you, promise you, I'm not going to spoil anything. Except for one tiny thing at the end that is not significant to the story. Um, The story starts out pretty much telling everything from the angle. Well, the narrator is Zendaya. She is a high school student that has just come back from rehab because she had overdosed on pain pills. You eventually come to find out that she got access to these pain pills in a very tragic way. Um, not that she wanted to. Um, it's just curiosity drove her that way. And it, was a, it, it wasn't a, a fast thing. It was very easily going from, I'm curious, also, I'm bipolar, and that not being addressed, and going to... Well, now this is something that makes me feel good. It gives me euphoria. Roll credits. Um, (laughs) So it gives me euphoria. And very much so she has access. It's not even difficult access because I believe 112% that kids could get into these things that I didn't have access to. um, That a lot of us didn't have access to growing up much easier because of the internet, because of knowing people, because of just access and not, and parents not always being there or not having the ability to be there because parents have to work two and three jobs, especially if you're a single mother and, or single father, or, or just both parents trying to make a good, decent living. I can see that. And I could see that where I could have gotten into it. So I'm going to tell you hundred percent truth. My relatability is this. I grew up in the suburbs. I grew up around a a bunch of kids that were had access to these things and had means, meaning that they had money, more money than I did. But I didn't want for anything. My parents were freaking amazing. So I just know that I had a great upbringing that could be very related to this. I didn't go to those parties, one, because my mom didn't let me, two, because I was a nerd. I was completely nerdy as hell. 
if you guys can't tell yet. I was very nerdy. And I also um, was an athlete. I was an athlete. I was a Boy Scout. I was in so many things that by the time I get home, I was so tired that I didn't want to go out and get into trouble. So, and saying I know people who did is 100% facts. After the football game, I know kids were going drinking and stuff like that. I didn't hang out with them because my group of friends, we was focused on getting good grades and getting the F out. We had our fun, had fun with each other, had 100% fun, and didn't care that other kids were doing other things. Did some of us dabble? Did some of us get tempted? Did some of us do some things? Of course. We were kids. We were discovering. But 100%, I could see how some people could get into it. And... Kids from my high school, I know kids who have overdosed. I know kids who have mental issues. I know kids who had all the drugs. So it is very easy to see where that has come from. And if it's gotten easier, then you have euphoria. So now the things that, that they did touch. We have one girl who actually gets into um, almost cam girling and selling herself and being a financial dom, fin dom. Um, if you guys don't know what that is, that's. You guys feel free to look that up on the internet. Um, but she becomes that. There's also girls that um, are a girl who's in a, an abusive relationship. Another girl who ends up having to deal with um, getting pregnant. So these are real topics. And I feel like they swung for the fences. It wasn't like they were just jamming things in like this was an after school special. But they didn't glorify them either. They showed the real outcomes. And I appreciate that. I appreciate when you can tell a story well, have me engage with characters, and still do HBO things. There's a, the drug dealer <laughs> is one of my favorite characters. He is a drug dealer with a soul. It actually kind of gives a little bit of life to saying, drug. not all drug dealers are these just 100% profit-driven kill them all type guys. He did what he had to do to survive. And you see that there's a layer behind him of why he's doing what he's doing. He has his little brother. His little brother is one of the most gangster dudes in the whole show too. I appreciate that. So because these characters are so enjoyable to watch, there's no reason that I don't think you should watch them. This is my 100% endorsement to if you enjoy crazy stories and you can actually take and understand the gender fluidity sometimes of this show then go for it the one thing i haven't touched on yet was there is a transgender character i'm not going to tell you which one <laughs> you'll probably figure it out pretty easily um but that character it it gives light to her feel her transition and everything else and just like kind of orange is new black or anything else it, it gives you a character that's relatable in a situation that you're generally not presented with and i believe that's even more important than just representation it's showing representation in another light and i say this a lot of times when you have characters that go to the extremes but are generally in different wavelengths than you something a situation that you may not be exposed to every day i put this out there that anybody who takes 
a stereotype or something or a, a, a marginalized group that gets stereotyped and doesn't act like that stereotype or doesn't appear to, to act like that stereotype, it's a good thing because it breaks your mind. Like, especially like idiot me, I'll be the first to admit that I grew when I thought of gay guys when I first came to Atlanta. I thought of the super flamboyant on TV, acting very feminine, RuPaul, Drag Race, all that is what I saw on TV. And I started I started college in 2004. When I got to Atlanta, I got to know the full spectrum of homosexual men. I saw men that did act very flamboyant and did snap their fingers and act like women or sometimes wear heels or sometimes put on a wig. And then I saw dudes who were just like me. And it was ignorant of me to think there would be gay guys that weren't just like me. But 100% I understood it at that point. And I was like, oh, these are just regular guys that just happen to like other guys. Cool. I feel like there's a revolution that needs to happen for each type of these characters. We're seeing, we saw it with black people. When you saw drug dealers, everything else, that was a stereotype of black males. But then you had shows where it wasn't that. You had good fathers on TV, black fathers. You had Carlton. You had the Fresh Prince. You had Uncle Phil, who's a lawyer. You had the Cosby Show that showed a black family that wasn't struggling. It was in the middle class. There was middle upper class even. And you learn to appreciate that. So I believe that we're in a moment and a turning point where we're seeing shows like Pose and uh, something house, I can't remember the name of it, or our, our house, I believe, where you're seeing the LGBTQ community, QIA community, and you're seeing trans, more specifically transgender folks that are just like you and me. They just felt different about the body that they were born in. This show takes that on as well. And if you're not comfortable with those themes, get the fuck out. You ain't got to watch it, but at the same time, you're doing yourself, I think, a disservice by not seeing somebody in that situation. Parents, I believe you should watch this show to allow yourself to, to maybe open up some of these conversations with your kids. Not necessarily letting them watch it, but if your kids are in high school, maybe you let them go for it. Maybe you use these as an intro to the conversations that you need to have. My parents were very straightforward with me and straight up with me. If, they, if I asked a question, they would answer it. And that's what made me, one, tolerant, two, more open. And I guess tolerant, more open could be the same thing. Leave me alone. <laughs> but le- left both of them. So I honestly believe that this could give you an idea into your kids' lives. Um, the last thing I want to touch on are the two like glaring pieces of kind of after-school special-ish about this about this show and as one of the domestic violence and how difficult it can be to break out of a domestic violence relationship and how easy it is to see that hurt people hurt people where one person the parents could be just as messed up and mess up kids even more so it, it is very important to see that and push with it um, and be able to help your help anybody Identify maybe I'm in an abusive relationship and just don't see it. The other thing is they do touch on is at the end of every episode, 
they encourage you text this number, text Euphoria to this number if you know somebody who needs help with helps with substance abuse. It's a good thing. I don't know if it's doing enough because it does at points glorify how great it is to do drugs. How great it is to feel that euphoria. But they do try to offset it with how low that dependency can take you. And the places and the people it affects around you. Especially in the points of like Rue going to AA meetings. And exploring how the little sister felt and how it's affecting her. So Storm. I honestly believe it's a really good show. Honestly, I believe it's a really good show. I'm interested to see where season two goes, especially how they end it. And my one big spoiler is they end the first season in a musical number. Very Skins season one or four-esque. One, or, one, three, or four. I can't remember. It's not two. But it does that. And it's pretty good. It's not as good as Skins. So I appreciate you guys. I want to hear your comments, feedback. My camera's running out. Um, I really want to hear what you have to say and think. Hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, now YouTube. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Virtual Dopeness on everything. P- at PJ Alex on Twitter. At PJ Alex 1911 on Instagram. Virtual Dopeness on all those things and, and Facebook. Thank you guys for listening. Hope to see you more. Signing off like we always do. Be virtual and live dope.